0: Do you need to reinvent your career? In today's show, you'll discover how to get clarity in three areas that will support your long-term success as a leader. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 97. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communications, human relations, and personal productivity. And I'm thrilled to begin a three-episode series here leading up to episode number 100 in just a few weeks on how to reinvent yourself. I have been getting uh, several, actually, I've gotten a bunch of emails from listeners in the last month or two, and I've been noticing this two-word term showing up in a lot of emails. And that two-word term is reinvent myself. A number of people have talked about the need to reinvent myself right now. And so I wanted to begin this three-episode series by looking at our careers and what we can do to reinvent ourselves in our careers and three lenses to look through that on. And for the next three episodes, I'll be looking at this topic of reinventing ourselves, and I've called up a couple of my friends uh, who are coaches and have a lot of experience reinventing themselves and others who are able to provide a lot of wonderful wonderful perspective here. And my guest today is Donna Schilder, and she is someone who's done a lot of career coaching over the years, and she's also reinvented herself a whole lot over the years very successfully. And so I am really looking forward to talking with her and sharing this conversation with you on ways we can look at how to reinvent ourselves too. So stick around at the end of the episode. I have an announcement about episode number 100, and uh, let's go ahead and jump in here to my interview with Donna Shoulder. I'm so glad to welcome my guest this week, Donna Shoulder. Donna is a leadership and career coach and is certified through the International Coach Federation as a master certified coach. She has been advising executives for over 20 years and works to help them to access their authentic power and influence. And she's also dedicated to helping leaders find their unique and fulfilling career path. I first met Donna about, oh gosh, Donna, what was it, about six, seven, eight years ago, I guess?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, and we—I uh, first talked with Donna. Uh, we were uh, we had mutual a mutual friend, and we got talking about coaching. And at the time, we were putting together a Dale Carnegie coaching program, and Donna was one of the coaches that was working with us, and just did a fantastic job with our clients. Uh, just fantastic with interacting with people and just has a wonderful heart, as you'll hear on this call. And for a whole bunch of reasons, we decided not to continue to do a Dale Carnegie coaching program for uh, long term. But Don and I have kept in touch and uh, continue to talk over the years and, uh, and have become friends. And when I was thinking about uh, this topic today, I wanted to get input because she's someone that's just done a lot of wonderful work with people and helping them to design the careers they want. So Donna, I am so glad that you were able to join me. I'm glad to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And of course, it's always lovely to talk to you and um, just am excited to be able to share some information that will be helpful to your listeners.
0: Oh, me too. And you know, this topic of reinventing ourselves is something that's come up a lot with Members of the Coaching for Leaders community in the recent past, and I've had a number of listeners who have emailed me in the last few months and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on reinventing myself, and for every person that means something a little bit different, but I think for all of us it means making an educated choice on how we're reinventing ourselves and what we're doing in our careers and how we're working and how we're living. And so uh, I thought maybe we'd start off just by talking about, you know, what are some different ways that a person might. Think about reinventing themselves or might be thinking about when they're using that language reinventing themselves?
1: Mm. Well, I believe um, that it's smart to look around just around you first. So, you know, if you're feeling sort of out of whack, you're um, seeing a change in your industry, you're um, feeling like you don't have meaning anymore, you're burnt out, um, you need less stress you know, the first place to look is just right around you and to see if you can shape the job you're in and kind of change that a little bit. Um, you know, the next place would be to look in your industry and then to look outside your industry. Um, whenever you're making an industry change, then there's a lot of more work that goes into that and it's a lot harder to do.
0: And sometimes people make the choice, I know Donna, where they think they need to change a whole bunch of things and really that's not the source of the issue for them or that's not really the thing that's causing them that stress of needing to reinvent themselves.
1: Yeah, sometimes um, people can just make a small change and it will make a huge difference in how they're feeling about their life. Um, I had one client once that all we did was help her take a five-minute break twice a day, and she would play some kind of crazy video game and then go back to work, and suddenly she felt completely different. So, oh, wow. um, Sometimes it's a really tiny change, um, and sometimes it's just you have one task in your job that you don't like to do, and you really could just um, delegate that. Um, Or, you know, and and by delegate, it doesn't always have to be to your staff. It could be to your boss even or to um, one of your colleagues Um, or make it into a game or find a a new um, way of doing it. Um, Sometimes, you know, what's making you not as satisfied um, could be just one person that you're working with and um, finding a way to get away from that person or, finding strategies to deal with that person can make a really big difference. Um, I have a client right now that um, we finally figured out that she was really happy in the work she was doing. She was really happy with her staff, very happy in the work environment, liked the size of the company, and it really just was her boss. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this is a common problem, but... um, with her just finding out that her boss was a narcissist and really understanding what that meant and that he couldn't help it, you know, he couldn't change, um, he wasn't, you know, capable of being any better, um, that sort of allowed her to accept more.
0: Oh, interesting. that makes
1: sense?
0: Yeah, so it sounds like part of this process is examining and analyzing what's going on, not only internally, but what's going around on around you in your environment so you get a sense of maybe what's causing that feeling of needing to make a change or needing to, quote-unquote, reinvent oneself.
1: And when, when you do that and you really understand what it is that needs to change, then it becomes a lot easier to make a plan to change it.
0: Ah, okay, okay. So one of the things we talked about in... Doing some planning for our conversation was these three areas on where we can look and kind of analyze things in our environment, and we talked about work style and environment and lifestyle. And so, I thought it might be good to to define these up front and just Mm. look at what is what do you mean by work style?
1: Yeah, and and I'll say that all three of these things impact our happiness. Um, the, The the first one, work style. Um, really is what kind of style does your work require from you? Are, you? are you able to do a lot of collaboration in your work or is it very individual? Mm-hmm. Um, an example in the medical field would be if, you know, you could be a nurse, but if you work in an ER, it's very collaborative. But if you work as a quality assurance nurse in a insurance company, you may have very individual work and most of your day is is, really work where you work individually. Um, Another example of work style is some some, uh, jobs require a lot of variety and so you get to do a lot of different things and some types of jobs are more the same, you know, all day every day. So, for example, to me, I think of an office manager as kind of a jack of all trades, and and so an office manager has a lot of variety in their work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But a, an accounting supervisor may it may have sort of a narrower band of types of different tasks. Um, and so, some people really need variety. And some people are uncomfortable with variety. Um, it, you know, I just find each person is different.
0: Well, and the nursing example you gave, Donna, is really uh, profound because it's the same training, at least initially, the same training and same type of career, but the types of work that the person in the ER versus the person working for an insurance company would do is really, really very different as far as what the work environment looks like.
1: Absolutely. And in most areas and most um, types of careers, there are choices within that um, that are very different. I mean, you could be a human resources um, person, and if you're doing employee relations, that's really different, um, more conflict-based, more people-based than, say, doing benefits work where you I- interact with um, people some of your job, maybe 25% of your job, but a lot of it is um, really Mm. paperwork-oriented.
0: Interesting. So how does that differ than environment, when you're thinking about environment, how does work style differ than that?
1: Yeah, the environment is more um, not having to do with the work you're doing, but how that company or organization sort of what that environment is. So for example, you could be very office bound or you could be out in the field. Uh, so you, and and again, an example where it's the same field and almost the same job is outside sales versus inside sales. Yes. You know, outside sales, you're gonna be out calling on people and you're not gonna be in the office. You're not gonna be sitting at the desk. Um, and inside, you're going to be on the phone, and that's a very different work environment. And, then, um, and I have a few other examples that I think are kind of interesting.
0: Oh, um, sure, go ahead.
1: Um, sitting all day versus moving around. This seems to be a really big one. Um, some people just can't sit um, at a desk all day, and um, you know they really need to be moving around. And other people are really comfortable sitting. Um, And even like I think of my husband, he is a consultant. And when he's doing manufacturing consulting, he's on the line and he's working and he's, you know, uh, going and and looking at the manufacturing line and um, moving around a lot. And then when he's doing IT consulting or more SAP type consulting, he's at his desk more. Mm. So that would be an example of work environment rather than um, the actual you know type of work or style of work that you do
0: oh interesting and so I think part of this too is is not just thinking about this from our own perspective as leaders and our work environments but also doing some thinking about this from the standpoint of the people who are working with us and working for us too because uh, many of us have people on our teams that are in different, have different environments that they work in, and maybe doing some thinking about, is that the right fit for the right person as far as the types of work mm-hmm. that they're, not only their work style, but their environment too.
1: And that's going to really impact productivity. Um, and so if you can either ask your people and find out where they feel most productive and where they feel um, most comfortable, and you know work to match that, you're going to get better productivity out of them. A really interesting example um, that you hear about a lot is um, working in a cubicle versus working in open space technology. And the example that comes to mind is, um, you know, open space technology Yahoo. You know, we think of, um, you know, they're trying to create a very collaborative environment. Um, And so, you know, the office is very open and people are very, you know, it's very easy for them to gather and to interact, and um, the example that I think of, um, that I think Dave will resonate for you, is a company like an aerospace company, like Northrop, um, where you know you're always in a cubicle, mm-hmm. and there's very you know, and there's reasons for that. But, you know, there's security issues, and you know, there's a lot more sort of detailed paperwork kind of um, work going on there, and so um, you know, that's the environment, and. You know, different people are going to thrive in different kinds of environment with regard to just, you know, the actual death situation.
0: So the one we haven't talked about yet is lifestyle. So how does that fit into the other two? And also, how is it distinct?
1: Um, lifestyle, it, it really, depending on where you work it's going to impact your lifestyle differently and that's very different than um, work style or work environment. Um, Lifestyle characteristics that are impacted by your work are are you able to work close to home or have a long commute? Um, And oftentimes people will sacrifice maybe making a little less money so they don't have to drive farther. Mm. Um, I have a client right now that really wants to work in a small town um, she lives in a bigger city, and one of the, the types of work she's actually thought about doing is for, forestry, but a f- forestry work is not really even in a small town. It's really isolated, so, um, you know, the type of work you choose really impacts the life you get to live, whether you're living, you know, out in a cabin in the forest or in a small town where where it's not congested or a big city where, you know, there's lots of traffic. Oh, sure. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, another really big one is, you know, how many hours a week do you have to work? And some jobs require lots and lots of hours and some, hour, some jobs you're done in 40 hours. So those are the kinds of lifestyle issues that impact what, what career you choose and also even within that which company you work for.
0: And that just becomes so important to so many of us, Donna. And I think about it now having, you know, Bonnie and I having Luke, who's 17 months old, the ability for me to be able to work out of my home office and be based out of there most of the time is critical to my satisfaction in my work and what I do and how I reach people. And it's hard to imagine having a job where I'd have to go somewhere five days a week and be physically somewhere else. That makes a huge difference in my productivity and my happiness.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, I can tell a story right on the other side of that, though. Um, I recently have been working with a client that was working out of his home, was an internal sort of consultant type um, worker, um, you know, managing programs and and process improvement initiatives and so forth for an organization. And so he worked out of his home or he was traveling he didn't go into the home office and finally what we figured out was that because he wasn't working with the team face to face he felt lonely Mm. and so for him he's actually the other the other piece we figured out was that he was being put on project after project and moved kinda when he got things rolling well then they would put somebody else in and he never got to finish a project so he wasn't getting that sense of completion that he needed uh, and that's yeah. that's really more of a work style issue and so he's actually now um it knowing these two things gave him the strength to go ahead and jump into a new position and so now he's working for a company locally, um a smaller company where he can be over. The project from the beginning to the end, and he's really more um, you know a director within that that company rather than being sort of more like an internal consultant
0: isn't it amazing, Donna like just how different all of us are and our preferences and what we like and what gives us joy and I'm, I'm just so amazed and it's always so fun working with people and sometimes difficult, but we're just all so different
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're different at different times in our lives. Too.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, and this this of course begs the question like, okay, so this is all important. How do we get clarity on some of this? Like how would I if I didn't know what work style I liked or what environment was best for me? Cuz I think like we only know what's in front of us a lot of us, you know, we work from home or we work in an office or we have a certain schedule and we do, we haven't really experienced the other side many times. How can we figure out what's going to work best for us?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, one thing I'm going to do in a, in a little bit is give some questions that people can think about that oh, within these three areas. So, you know, so that they'll have some specific question to think about and then probably can extra- extrapolate from the questions I offer other questions they could ask themselves. Um I think, you know, it's always great to ask other people, you know, people who know us, our colleagues and our friends, you know, what they think we would be happy doing. Um, and, you know, of course, working with a coach is always helpful. A career coach can give you perspective on what different jobs are like, help you, you know, by asking you questions and helping you um, explore these issues. And I think taking... At- inventories and assessments is really helpful. Mm. Um, you know, there's things like Myers-Briggs and your learning style inventory and the VIA strengths inventory. Um, those can be really helpful in helping you learn more about yourself and what your preferences are within these categories.
0: And I um, I don't know about you, Donna, but I've found over the years that assessments are really helpful in kind of accelerating that process as, as if you know, it would take six months normally to figure that out about ourselves. Sometimes an assessment can help us get there in, you know, maybe a month or so because it just shortens the amount of time that it takes us to figure some of that out. Have you noticed that as well with your clients?
1: Yes, absolutely. And um, and I think, you know, different assessments are, you know, more suited to different arenas. But um, And then I think assessments will help you learn things that you would never learn about yourself any other way. So... Mm. You know, I think they're they're a highly valuable tool.
0: So speaking of tools, I know you had some questions for us to think about. So is this a good time to look at those?
1: Yeah. Um, first, let me though dive in and say that I have an inventory that I've compiled over the years that really speaks to this arena and oh, I want okay, to make, make it, you know, make it uh, um, available to your listeners. Oh, great. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I, ca- I call it the desired work characteristics assessment and I've going you know, to kind of gleaned it from different places and from my experience. And if your listeners want to go to DonnaShilder.com slash desired work characteristics, and you're gonna have a link in in your um in your podcast linkages and blog for this as well, I'm sure yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll have
0: a link in the show notes for those of you listening uh who go back later on, so watch it'll be in there, and I'll make sure that you've got access to it as well thank you
1: yeah great and and so what that does is it brings out a lot of these issues with regard to um, work environment and work style and lifestyle and it allows you to decide which ones are more important. Mm. And so you, you basically you pick five off, off the list, and that can really help you examine possible jobs and see which ones match more of what you're looking for. So that'll be a, a tool that can be helpful, too. Um, and then going on to talk about some questions... Uh, within environment, um, a question that I think it's important to ask yourself is: Do you prefer environments that are formal or informal?
0: Ah, and what do you mean by that distinction?
1: Well, I think you know if you you think about um, working for, say, an insurance company or a an aerospace company or an a law firm, there's a much more formal sort of environment involved there. And then, you know, probably if you're working at an advertising agency, um, you know, something in a more creative field, you're going to find a more informal environment.
0: So not just thinking about things like dress code, but really the culture of the organization, how much structure there is, how much maybe people would be encouraged to color outside the lines, that type of a thing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, um, and and sometimes that's expressed very specifically in dress code. Um, you know, I, I find when I'm working with my fashion executives, you know, here they are, you know, the vice president of a very um, famous fashion um, organization, apparel organization, and you know, they come and they're wearing shorts and flip flops. So, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it tends to be expressed in in how what you wear, but um, you know, it it, it definitely is more than just what you wear to work.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, good, good. (laughs)
1: Um, Another question I like to ask people is, um, which helps you uncover whether you want to be in a noisy environment or a quiet environment is, would you prefer to be in a library or a baseball stadium?
0: Hmm, that's an interesting way to approach it. (laughs) Yeah, cuz I definitely have a, a preference on that right away as soon as I I think about that. Yeah. And what is it? Oh, library for sure. <laughs> library for sure. I like base I like going to baseball games, but it's not where I would be most comfortable most of the time. I would I would think about going to the library well before going to a baseball game.
1: Mhm. And that so that informs, you know, as we look at specific jobs, you, you can then take that information and, you know, I wouldn't suggest you be a preschool teacher, you know, oh, no. <laughs> just, or a school principal for that matter, right? I, I did um, work in
0: the education industry before I do the work I did now. And that was, it was really draining to be around 30 kids for five or six hours a day. I loved the work, but I was so tired at the end of the day and it just was not sustainable for me. I knew I couldn't do that as a career long-term.
1: Right, so knowing that about yourself you know helps you choose, like you said, um, being able to work at home more um, a quieter environment, um, so that's really important. Um, another question is, do you like to be outdoors or would you rather be inside mm. um, you know if you If you like to work um, outdoors, then you probably shouldn't move up in the ranks of you know, being a um, computer-oriented supervisor or manager, right? Um, you're more, you're going to be more comfortable, um, maybe being a facilities manager or um, you know something that's outside and more active.
0: In the- On the lifestyle questions or the lifestyle perspective, Donna, I know that that's probably one area that does change as we age and our lives change. I know my lifestyle preferences are different than they were five years ago. Are there things that we should be looking at beyond just kind of the obvious, like what my family situation is or like distance to work that would be helpful around lifestyle?
1: Um, One is where do you want to live um, and what kind of community do you want to live in? Um another one would be um do you need flexibility to take care of not just children but maybe aging parents?
0: Oh uh, yeah.
1: And as we age I find a lot of people are looking for jobs with less stress.
0: That's interesting. What uh what types of things are people finding that's causing them stress right now that you're hearing from clients?
1: I mean the the clients that work in bigger companies it's the drive to do more faster with less. Mm. You know, um, working longer hours, getting handed more responsibilities because they cut people out. Um, and so I'm finding a lot of clients saying, you know, I don't have to make as much money as I used to. My kids are through college. Um, I've already saved some money. Uh, maybe, you know, it's not as important to have a new car every year. What's more important to me is that I stop working at this engineering firm that's, um, you know, got rid of all of the, the people I can delegate to and start reconnecting to my passion and um, doing something that's that's more meaningful and less stressful.
0: So one of the things I hear you say is hear you saying, Donna, is that a lot of these things are really choices and that sometimes we get, and I know I do too, is we get in these ruts where we feel like we're locked in somewhere and we don't really think of that as a choice, that make the choice to maybe make less money or to work in a different way or to work in a, or live in a different environment than we live in. And a lot of that does come down to, we, we really do have a lot of choices in how we structure our careers and our lives.
1: And we have more choices than we think we have, believe it or not. Um, You'd be amazed at what you can get even when you're in a corporate job where you think, oh, everybody has to work the same. Everybody has to go into the office every day. Or, you know, I can't take time off to do a project. Um, But if you ask, you'd be amazed what you may be able to get because you're now a highly valued employee. Um, Lots of times these days, um, companies will let you go part-time when you're thinking that you couldn't do that. Um, Or, you know, I always like to think of my dad who who worked in aerospace and um, towards the end of his career was writing more books and doing more um, speaking. And so at one point he asked, if he could have every fourth week off to stay home and write, hmm. and so that was a way that he was able to write more books and do more of what he wanted to do um, He at other times was able to convince um his company that um him going to speak someplace was good marketing for the organization. oh interesting um, you know, so that's another example so I think, you know, the first part is figuring out what you want. What would make you the most happy? And the second part is figuring out how to get that. And um, we don't necessarily, you know, have to stick to um, two weeks of vacation every year or three weeks of vacation every year. Um, There's companies that give sabbaticals these days. Um, We don't have to stay in our corporate jobs. We could start our own business. We could you know, work in the nonprofit sector. So, but I think the first point is figuring out what you need and want.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's that's great that you mentioned that, Don. And I've I've had that experience too, over the last, especially the last few years, it seems like with the organizations I've worked with and clients, the the more often I ask for uh, things to be different or, you know, have clarity in my own expectations. It's amazing how Often that does work out, and you know we figure out a way to that work schedule-wise, workplace-wise, environment-wise, and uh, and so I, I think this probably brings me to asking on okay, you know you've given us a lot of good questions to think about here, and the assessment I know is going to be really helpful for people to be to get into even more depth. So I really encourage people to go on and do that too. So once you get some clarity on a few of these areas. What would be the some of the first steps that people could take to start moving in the direction to, you know, get them get them seen that they can really align their work and their careers with these preferences?
1: Um, well, I think it's important to create a list of the possibilities, um, and you know, you compile that from a lot of different places. Um, you. You can do research, you know, you can Google things, you can, um, you can talk to friends, you can, you can do some informational interviewing with people within your field or externally. I have a client um, that I work with that's um, in automotive industry, and what she started doing, she wasn't happy in her position. She had been happy for years in it, and then things changed. And she started doing informational interviewing within her own corporation, and so she made a list of five areas within the organization that she thought were interesting. She then targeted um, upper, you know, management um, people in within those arenas, and set up half-hour interviews and went and talked to them um, and asked, you know, what do I need to do to move over here. What what skills would I need to learn? What would I need to learn about? Who, who do I need to know? And she's done this three, there's been three rounds of this and each time she's moved into a different division of the organization and um, learned more and grown in her career. Um, so I think it's, um, you know, creating a list of possibilities and investigating them and then analyzing them also against those criteria. And that's what I find difficult. Um, You can take inventories, you can come up with these criteria, but there's kind of no tool to kind of pull all of that together. And so I have a tool myself where you keep all that criteria and you look at it against the possibilities and you analyze it and um, I actually have kind of a numerical framework that we use and um, what seems to happen is um, we come up with say two or three possibilities and then with further research um, the the client gets more clear and when they're clear it's amazing what mountains they'll move to um, to get into um, the position that will create meaning and fulfillment and the life that they want.
0: It is incredible when when I, I think in my life and when I've seen clients get clarity on something, Donna, how quickly we can then move and make things happen, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's just amazing how when clients get clarity about what they want, you know, how they'll they'll do a lot of things to to move forward. And sometimes it's a path. And I think that's why it's important to think of your career, not just as a career, but as a career path, mm. because it's, it's a series of steps and it, it shouldn't be static. It should be moving. And um, so what I see is clients may, you know, decide on a path and then it takes multiple steps to get to the end game. But what they do is they get clarity and fulfillment and, An opportunity to learn along the way. And so, um, but not having that clarity means that then they just don't even see the possibilities. Um, And, you know, I just see this this power um, over and over again.
0: Well, speaking of clarity, one of the questions I often ask people that come on the show is, because I think one of the things we all need to do as leaders is get more clarity on ourselves. And so I'm curious, Donna, what's something you've learned about yourself over the years that's helped you be more effective as a leader and as a coach now and that that y- you've learned about yourself?
1: Mm. Um, well, I think one thing that I learned um, is that sometimes, you know, I'm very people-oriented, but I can also be very task-oriented. And one thing that I found is that I will sometimes get so focused on the task that I forget to connect to the people. Uh And so I, you know, have this sort of reminder mechanism. Um, You know, when I'm going, even when I'm going to speak, I'll sometimes forget to focus on the audience and get really focused on what I'm talking about. So I put a little smiley face and that reminds me, You know, look up, uh, look at the people, take the temperature of the room, um, connect with the people, see where they are, and then proceed. And I Hmm. think, um, you know, that happens to leaders um, in general. They get so focused on getting the work done that they forget that they need the people to get the work done. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) And in order to get the people to get the work done, you have to... Meet them as people first.
0: I, I'm so glad you said that. I can so relate to what you've said there, too, Don. And I I think it's brilliant that you've you've found a way to really remind yourself of that. And that speaks to some of the power of what you do, which is really helping people to get more clarity. And I I also think you made a make a great case for coaching, and particularly around careers and the work that you do. And you know these a lot of these things. May seem obvious, but when you put them together and really follow through a process, uh, a lot of times a coach can be really, really helpful along the way on that. And and I should mention too, and I I don't think I mentioned this in the introduction, but you are a LinkedIn expert as well. And so uh, Donna's been gracious to agree also to come back on the show here in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure which episode it's going to be at, um, but it's going to be in the next sometime in the next few weeks. And actually walk us through LinkedIn and what we thought would be fun is rather than just talking about LinkedIn in general, is um, Donna's going to actually pull up my LinkedIn profile, which is not great. <laughs> and uh, I've actually been meaning to work on it for a while. I've got all the basics there, but uh, I've asked Donna if she'd be willing to kind of look at my profile, um, you know, tell me what I'm doing well, tell me what I can improve upon for the benefit of uh, our listening audience and um and then she's got a great resource and training around uh linkedin as well that she'll tell you about more on that episode so i'm really looking forward to that don i think that'll be a lot of fun and i i really uh am so appreciative of you coming on and sharing your wisdom today and helping us to think of how we can reinvent ourselves what what great uh what great wisdom you've brought
1: oh thank you so much um I, you know, LinkedIn, of course, thanks for being um, game with um, getting some feedback, because that's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, I want to say that I wish that there had been a coach around for me when I was young, because um, I did a lot of careers, and I've actually had 20 careers, which I think is quite unusual. Um, (laughs) That is a lot. (laughs) I could not figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up.
0: (laughs) I'm still working on that too,
1: <laughs> and what but I made a lot of really big missteps because I reached out for something I found was interesting, but it didn 't match who I was and uh, um, you know the funny one I always like to share is i one of my first jobs was being a technical editor, and I sat at my desk all day completely alone and um i 'm a people person, so I kind of felt dead in that job so you know, I hope that, that our discussion today helps people not make missteps and that, you know, they get to um, a place that, that allows them to um, do their best work and be happy doing it.
0: Donna Shilder is a leadership and career coach. You can learn more about Donna at DonnaShilder.com, and uh, we'll be talking again in a couple of weeks. Donna, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thanks. It was a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to our next session.
0: Me too i really encourage you to get on the, the show notes for this episode so you can download that assessment that donna mentioned you can get there by going to coachingforleaders.com slash 97 that will take you right to the show notes all of donna's contact information is up there and that link to get that assessment so that way you can utilize it to begin getting clarity around these three areas as well. And of course, you can always reach out to me with feedback. Two ways to do that are by phone, 94938LEARN, or email is great too, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, you've heard me talking about it the last few weeks. Episode number 100 is just a few weeks away, so we've got two more episodes coming up in the series on how to reinvent yourself. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome a Friend, and executive coach this next week, and we're going to look at how to reinvent yourself as you're starting a new leadership role. And then the following week, I'm uh, going to be inviting in a good friend who's uh, reinvented herself a whole bunch in the last uh, few years in her career and just has a wonderful story to tell on episode 99. That's the plan, at least. So we'll see how it all goes. Uh, but on episode 100, the show is going to turn to you, your success stories and lessons from from community members. That's you. So I would love to hear your feedback on not only something you've learned from the show, but uh, in addition, you could also just share something that's then a leadership lesson that you may have for us, uh, either a book recommendation, an idea, some action you'd suggest we take, or advice, or really anything else related to leadership. So I originally had said it, you know, needs to be something tied to the show, but uh, I realized that, the, you know, that's a little bit selfish for me to just say it has to be tied to something you've learned on the show. And so I wanted to open it up. And if you would like to contribute anything to episode number one hundred, as long as it has something to do with leadership and becoming better as a communicator interacting with people and being more personally productive, and you have an idea or suggestion for our audience, I would love to consider it for episode number 100. So here's what you need to do. Go ahead and call into my listener feedback hotline. And you can leave a message there. The number for that is 94938LEARN, and you can record a contribution right there. You can also just do it right on your computer. If you have a microphone or anything built into your laptop or desktop or an external microphone, you can just go to coachingforleaders.com slash speak and record it there. And, um, if you want to talk about something you've discovered listening to the show, uh, what I'd suggest is just tell us what it is you've discovered, how you applied it and what result you got. And if you have just a leadership lesson for us, a book recommendation, idea, action advice, that's great. Just tell me that. So, uh, whatever works for you is great. And I really look forward to getting those because I'd love to feature as many stories, uh, connections, suggestions, advice from you, the listening community, on episode number 100 as possible. And it's just three weeks away, so I'm really excited about that. Hey, I want to say a thank you to folks who have uh, connected with me on social media in the last couple of weeks here. Thank you to Kirk Morrison. Thanks, Christina Call-Martins, who was our guest from last week. Lucille Zimmerman, Tiago Miranda. Hey, Tiago, it was great to connect with you this week. David Wilden, Brian Sfair, Wendy Sudendorf. And I think that's everyone. So thanks for connecting with me either on Twitter, Facebook, or Google Plus. I mentioned LinkedIn in this episode too, and I realize I haven't been mentioning that the folks who've connected with me on LinkedIn. I don't know why, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get that moving as soon as I get my profile updated. I know Don is going to be really helpful for me in doing that as well. So hey, uh, that's just about it for this week. If you'd like to get connected with me as well during the week and get more articles, resources, go to coachingforleaders.com. Find the social media icons on the top of the page. Hey, I'm also doing a weekly video now answering questions from the Coaching for Leaders community. You can also get that video on coachingforleaders.com. So Just go there and you'll see my weekly video. And if you'd like a midweek booster shot, an idea, a leadership tool or discovery that will help you to lead better, go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. That will get you onto the weekly updates and you'll get those uh, every week, midweek. And that'll keep you going during the week on things you can continue to learn and benefit from and more ideas and tools coming your way. Hey, have a great week and I'll see you for next week's episode number 98. Take care,
1: everybody.